Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too well after last week. How about you? Yeah, raining, twenty-eight nil. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't equal good. It doesn't equal good. <laughs> you would have got caught in the storm on the way back to the station, wouldn't you? Yeah, it. Kid you not. I mean, for those who were there, for the actual brave five thousand plus crowd, who mm. braved the weather and anywhere they got to the game, there was no way you're getting dry. If you drove to the doorstep, <laughs> you're getting wet uh, on the way in. If you caught the train. For those who braved it, the rain started to ease off probably in the last 10 minutes of the game. And you start to think, beautiful, like the walk to the train station at least is going to be all right. It wasn't all right. It came back straight about Mm. maybe two minutes into the walk and it wouldn't stop. (laughs) And it wouldn't stop. It was set in. Yeah, it definitely started pouring yet again. I was pretty lucky on the way here, I thought. I um, missed the downpour in the morning. Managed to get to the stadium, get in before another downpour during reserve grade. And then, uh, unfortunately, I got stuck in it on the way back, waiting at the bus stop. <laughs> for those who didn't go to the game, and uh, for those who didn't go past Parramatta River, I want to suggest go through our all our socials, take a look at the, the river. There was a, just a little video just to show how heavy the rain was and the river going up to heights that I've never seen before up close. Um, covering, almost taking out a new construction building, uh, the little shortcut from the Riverside Theatre side to the stadium, completely gone. Um, couldn't walk underneath the bridge there because it was taken out by uh, the Parramatta River. So if you just want to take a quick look, it's only a short couple of second video, but it goes to show how heavy the floods and the rain was and the conditions leading up to the to the game. It paints a little bit of a picture of what the players were facing on game day and the fans who <laughs> attended. Just for those who watch from home, what Parramatta yeah. looked like a little bit. It I've just pulled close. it out there the first time I've seen it. It's only seven seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it just goes to shit like how close it is to the, the construction site on one side and mm. you can't even walk down we tried i tried the shortcut to the riverside from the riverside theater thinking oh i might be able to get lucky and go underneath the bridge nope bridge taken off it was the water was underneath the bridge so or where the footpath mm. normally is for the shortcut was gone so just to show that just a bit of the weather conditions sydney has been facing uh for those who didn't go to the game or those who are living outside of the area who listens to our podcast, but we've got plenty to cover, so no time like the present to slide on. Massive news, Raymond Fatal and Mariner, uh, coaches player of the year last year, uh, out for 16 to 20 weeks with a foot injury. Mm. Massive. Massive news. Lucky we stocked up on second rowers. Oh, the depth of second rowers, I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very, um, it's going to be a huge loss due to the fact, well, like I said, one coaches player of the award last year. He was the, probably the most consistent player last season. He really had a breakout year where he really put his name on what, like, what everyone's been seeing in the junior levels. He put it in the NRL, and everyone thought 
on the back of a great season. Let's see how he can do that again. Unfortunately, he's going to miss most of the year. Uh, he didn't get to finish that game against Penrith due to that injury. Uh, also, another person who didn't get to finish the game against uh, the Panthers was Dallin Watanis Lesniak, who uh, copped Nathan Cleary in the head and was sin binned with about nine minutes to go on the clock. Uh, he's going to miss the next two matches, uh, which means he will miss the game against the Brisbane Broncos and then the following game against South Sydney Rabbitohs, the Good Friday blockbuster. Um, and we've got some stadium changes. When you start to think uh, COVID wouldn't be an issue, it's uh, had to force the Bulldogs to move a game from the HBF Park in Perth to move it back to Stadium Australia. That is the game against the Melbourne Storm uh, that has been moved. So that round five clash has been moved from HBF Park to Stadium Australia, which will kick off at 5.30pm on the Saturday kickoff, which means the round 16 game for the Bulldogs to versus Seagulls has been moved from Stadium Australia to Bank West Stadium to even that out. And then the round 20 clash, which the Bulldogs were scheduled to versus the Gold Coast Titans, was meant to be at Bank West Stadium, has going to be moved from Bank West Stadium to a venue that's not yet confirmed. So It will be a regional venue, though. Yes, yes, a regional venue, but... Uh, so a bit of changes. So first of all, you've got to feel sorry for the people in Perth. That's two years in a row that COVID's impacted the game there. Uh, Aaron Warburton has committed that they will see out their deal, what they currently have. So they're looking to have games there next year in Perth. Uh, he says he's very disappointed that this game couldn't be taken there. Uh, but unfortunately, out of the Bulldogs' control. Uh, what's your thoughts on the move for the Seagulls to Bank West? I think probably venue-wise, it's probably a little bit smarter if you're going to use massive venue, small venue. But I don't think it, that one really had to be moved unless there's some sort of contract between the venues. But it looks like there might be some sort of contract that we have to play so many games at Bank West and mm. same Australia. Because they're run by the same management. I don't think that would be a big deal. Yeah, well, I think the um, contracts with the company that manages the venue is not the individual stadiums. Um, yeah. But, but perhaps within that contract of playing so many games at... Um, Values live, there must be an allocation of how many at Bank West and how many at ANZ. I do wonder if this has got anything to do with the um, negotiations behind the um, redevelopment of Bank West. That would be interesting. Uh, what do I think about Manly going to Bank West? Well, you know, Manly fans don't travel at the best of times. Um, so let's make them travel that little bit further from Manly. <laughs> further west <laughs> that will make them happy uh look it doesn't really matter um whether we play manly or melbourne at uh ANZ or bank west uh, i don't think it will affect the crowd at all to be honest um apart from maybe a few individual circumstances but um <clears throat> yeah those two teams at those venues it doesn't really matter too much it is interesting that um this probably comes down to stadium availability as far as why there had to be a total reshuffle because of a game being played at Stadium Australia uh, instead of HBF Park in Perth. I think the only real question out of that comes as um, comes. Um, I would have thought one extra game at Stadium Australia wouldn't have been a worry, wouldn't have been a concern. So I don't know mm. why merely had to be moved from ANZ to Bank West under you know for that reason alone. 
Um, but, mm. you know, we, we've talked before about the strategy behind playing games at BankWest and playing games at ANZ, and we can't really see a clear strategy behind it. Um, so may, maybe it's got something to do with the strategy that um, is not publicly known. Well, not known mm. to us, we should say, at least. <laughs> mm. It's interesting. Actually, before we move on to watching our... Um, looking at our reserve grade and how they went on the weekend... Um, and having a bit of a catch up on those games. Uh, Aaron Warburton was on mm. Sen, the new radio station in Sydney. Is it called Sen? Uh, it was, it was Sen. I thought it was Sen. Yeah, <laughs> I went with Sen. <laughs> if you know, let us know. Yeah, uh, he was actually talking about uh, his first five six weeks at the top of the Bulldogs. What he's trying to achieve. Uh, what and everything, and I thought it was interesting. He spoke about being in the top four, and when he broke it down, he said, "Not the top four necessarily coming top four every year. I want to be the top four in the NRL. I'm, I want our reserve grades to be there, but and simply, I want our our sponsorship sales to be there. I want our membership sales to be there, and I want our tickets sales to be there. Our crowd averages, top four for everything, every facet from." Everything. Mm. He then went on to speak when he departed the club. I think he gave himself a bit of a pat on the back. They were the top four in memberships. And he goes, they were t- top couple in Sydney. And at some stages, the biggest in Sydney. The crowd averages, at, especially in around that 2000, early 2010, like the 2011-12 mark, were averaging in the almost mid-20,000s. Were the top Sydney club and were like the second in the NRL of crowds. And he spoke about sponsorship. He said, at the moment, we're in the top four with our sponsorship sales. So he said, that's good. But now we need to get, that needs to transfer to membership and that needs to transfer to our crowds. But then that also needs to transfer into wins. And they all need to come together. They need to start winning because that makes everything easier. In the long run, when you win, it becomes easier. But we still need this to move in this direction. And he's basically said, we've got the sponsorship, which is good. That's the first tick at the moment but the rest needs to come. So I just thought that was an interesting thing just to add to the podcast. He's right on both accounts. It needs to happen. I don't think that the uh, the Bulldogs should be really, in my view, I only compare it to other silly NRL teams and then other silly sports teams. I think that's a better comparison than comparing the Bulldogs to the Broncos, for example, Um, Mm. that sort of thing. Um, Yep, uh, so we, we do have some ground to make up, and I think last time he was at the club, you, you've already laid it out, we were all those things, so absolutely, all those things need to happen. And of course, if we start winning, then all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. But um, even when we had a few lean years in that period of time, uh, we'll have crowds of like 17, 18,000 on a Monday night against the West Tigers. Mm. So that's good stuff. And now we're, now we're celebrating 20,000 against the West Tigers on a Sunday afternoon with... Good weather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All righty. Uh, you've, you've brushed over a few uh, things here. Uh, Raymond Fatale Mariner, uh, you, you mentioned he's going to be a huge loss. He is. Uh, our, our starting forward pack, he was one post-contact meter away from being the, the highest post-contact meter gainer of all the starting forward packs. So far out. That mm. just goes to show how big of a loss he will be. And then Dallin Watelli-Zelezniak, or Watelli-Zelezniak, as a... Uh, Steve Allen likes to pronounce. I wonder if that's uh, correct. Mm. I wonder if he's got a little bit of inside information there. Um, 
got suspended for a high shot on Nathan Cleary. Um, are we going to discuss that? Okay, we're going to discuss that. I was going to talk about it a little bit later. I think for Dallin to be suspended for that, I think it's very harsh on Dallin. I think Nathan Cleary, uh, not saying that he deliberate. I'm not trying to say he deliberately got himself hurt or anything. Uh, Corey Allen, I think if you watch it back, you see Corey Allen smack Nathan Cleary in the face on the way through as an accident. Like the players were just chasing each other. Dallin was set to chase him, I think, further down the track. And then Nathan stopped. And just one of those things where, you know, he made so many meters. He probably hasn't been in that position where he's made such a break that easily and kind of stopped looking for support. And I don't think Dallin was anticipating that. Then also when Dallin came on to play a shot, there was no intent for Dallin to go anywhere near the head. Oh, well, I mean, he went near the head for the shoulders. The intent was to hit him in the shoulders. And as Cleary braced for contact... He kind of ducked himself a little bit lower, which meant Dallin's original point of contact was missed. And there's only a split second for Dallin, or not even a split second for Dallin to change anything. There's nothing he could have done. What would have ended up Nathan Cleary being knocked out to the ground? So I feel like sometimes I get the rules. I understand the referees not having got the referees. They did everything to the to the process. A player was knocked over, and that's what they've been told to if the head knocks and concussions. And I get the referees. So I'm not taking a dig. And then our referees, um, because they're just following what's been directed to them. What I'm trying to say is at one stage or another, Nathan Cleary did put himself in that position accidentally, and stuff like that's just going to happen. There was no intent on both sides to be injured. Uh, when you're chasing at full speed um, at each other, it was a you only you only have that little snap time that snap time like I think a worse one was this week was when Adam Reynolds got high tackled after he kicked the ball, not sided, not suspended, uh, and there was a late shot. At least Dallin tackled someone with the ball, and he, it was just a thing. If Nathan stood his ground up to, up to, up high, he would have just been tackled. So I think sometimes the onus in that situation, I feel like Dallin got harshly done by, especially when other players have been given away. So I think a little bit of onus should have been back on Nathan Cleary when he stopped running and then he ducked into a shot. And I get the referee sending him off, uh, sending him, sorry, because that's what they've been told to do, especially that Nathan Cleary was laying on the ground motionless. I get that, but sometimes you can't let the injury result he actually, punishment. he actually wasn't motionless. He tried to get up and stumbled over. That's how badly yeah. locked down he was. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, look, I think he made a very good defense if the year was 2006. <laughs> I think you'd get him off at the judiciary uh, in 2006. But with the amount of information that we've now got around headlocks and concussion and the amount of money that the NFL was sued for after not looking after yeah. players, uh, given, as you said, given the current rules, uh, as soon as it happened, I actually thought Dallin was. Lucky not to be sent off instead of Sinbild. Well, uh, as soon as it happened, I knew he, he wasn't going to finish the game. Uh, and straight away, I think I even mentioned to you, that's two to three weeks. Straight yeah, away. I, straight I, out, I said that. And, um, well, that's that's what happened. He had, uh, if he fought the charge and loss, he would have had three weeks. So he's taken the early guilty plea and taken, um, taken the two weeks. I get the, I get the precaution around and everything. I just feel like the inconsistency now, when Adam Reynolds has kicked the ball later that mm. night and been hit in the head, nothing was yeah. made out of it. The, not just that, I know the referees missed it. I know the referees can miss live things. It's hard with one referee and the ball's been kicked and I'm not blaming the referees and they followed the play. 
but the match review committee didn't come through to charge anyone, and he's been skipped. To me, Dallin's shot was less... I mean, first of all, he hit someone with the ball. He hit someone who was ducking with the ball. Mm. And I'm just saying there's now an inconsistency there because, oh. to me, he's won. If he's gone for 10, I cannot remember the Manly play after the life of me for some reason. Oh, it was the young back row off the bench. I can't think of his name now, but that should have been sent off. Because well, he hit funny. someone without the ball, and it's funny because it it's, it's um, we're never going to get consistency in anything. Not, we don't get consistency around lock on. Yeah. And that rule hasn't changed since uh, 1895. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. 21 Northern <laughs> Rugby Union came together and decided to play a competition. Um, yeah, look, so the consistency is, I don't think that's part of the debate. I think in this instance, they got it completely right. But the other thing that's hard is that you say the Reynolds one was worse. I've only saw the footage of the Reynolds one last night, and I didn't think it was as bad. So well, if, if, if my point of this one is, I'm not going to argue uh, what happened. I'm just going to say, if me and you, who are relatively uh, educated football fans and normally agree on a lot, can't agree on these two situations, then what hope has the wider community or the wider NRL got <laughs> of being labelled consistent? Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah. well, won't disagree. Yeah, oh, that's actually a very good point. But can I actually add something to this? Will we get to a stage, especially for someone who's a bench player or someone who plays little minutes, we go almost to a stage where someone gets hit in the head and they lay on the ground. It's a sin bidding. So Kafusi didn't get sin binned or anything with the um, elbow or anything. That's a beat up. That's a beat up story. No, no, no. I actually, I actually, I think it was harshly done by. I think he was just again stripping at the ball. And just the way the con, like the way the tackle fell, and the, the other, people the, the, other power. the other player came in and locked him over as he was stripping the ball out. Yeah, that's he what he lifted that's what his arm. Yeah, he lifted his arm up as the other tackler came in and he just fell on top of the guy's head. Yeah, that's what yeah, I anyway. think. And plus, I think Mattinson was actually head hit the ground, which caused. I'm not saying the elbow wouldn't have been pleasant. Yeah. I think the the ground contact did the work. So, I actually think the Kafusi ones a beat up too. I so we can agree on that one because I feel like he was just raking at the ball. He was trying to like put his hands, slow down the play the ball, everything. But it if goes into the whole anti-Melbourne commentary that's in the media at the moment, that's all. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, agreed, 100% agreed. But all I'm going to try to say is, moving forward, if we have someone who's a bench player, someone, you know, who those bench players who contribute, especially now with the eight interchanges, who might only play 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, we know teams can sometimes use a HIA to get an extra interchange. So if they get hit in the head, they'll use a HIA, especially if they know someone is quite clever who can pass the HIA. It's blown up in some people's faces. But will someone cop a hit in the head where it's just accidental bouncing off the ball, knocking them, and if they drop to the ground and act motionless, knowing that they've done their job already, they've played their 8, 12 minutes they need to play before they get subbed off. First of all, they get a free interchange, their player back on. Secondly, if they act motionless, we've had arguments with some journalists. If a person gets hit and they're knocked out or they're this or they're that and they can't continue to play that should automatically mean another person sent off or sin-binned for that action. Well, could we see teams milking a high tackle shot and acting motionless or you know, stumbling on the ground? Because it's pretty easy to stumble to get that penalty. You know, you get taken off. So I'm thinking some, you know, there's interchange bench props who might only play 15 minutes of game time. Could we see that with this new rule? That's what I'm just, that's what I think of straight away. 
look, I wouldn't say there's many divers in the NRL. Um, we know that yeah. Dale Cherry Evans is one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after the weekend. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that gets was hit, Gets hit, runs 20 metres and falls over. Oh, he's going to get the ball. <laughs> Tell you what, it's the worst dive since Luke Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Penrith, anyone, yeah. anyone remembers that he just threw his arms in the air and looked like he was uh, diving into a swimming pool um, look no I don't think we're going to get to a stage where every high tackle or every knock to the head with a player on the ground is a Sidman um, definitely direct contact with force um, should be probably and depending on how bad it was uh, could possibly be a send off uh, I don't think um, many clubs anymore actually uh, do the whole thing that you're saying about lying down for a HIA purely because of the effort the player has to go through at training. It's not just the HIA on the day to pass. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's all the way throughout the week. I'm not no expert on exactly what that process is, but I believe they get tested four times before the next game. Or that's if, like they, that. if, that's, if they fail one, if they pass one on game day and pass no, another no, one I after think, it. I think, they've, I think they've added it in as a deterrent. Okay. So to stop the faking. So uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, look, there's, there's rules around players having to go off. Uh, perhaps they bring in a rule where um, if you if you have a HIA, it's a minimum one game out. That will stop the stop the faking. There, I like it. Okay, we've solved the issue. <laughs> we've solved the issue here. We don't yeah. need NRL 360 or any other footy show or whatever. We just did it just here. There you go. So we'll, we'll move into the reserve grades. From the weekend, uh, the Jersey flag side, unfortunately, this game has been postponed. So they were scheduled to verse the Panthers at Belmore. Unfortunately, it's been postponed due to the torrential rain in Sydney and uh, all the grounds being closed and stuff like that. It was crazy rain, uh, which means they're actually going to play it this weekend instead that game because the Bulldogs have a buy in round three. So it worked out all right. So they got their week off. Uh, they've got their thing. Uh, they'll be playing 10.30 a.m. at Belmore this Saturday. So that Against. game has been moved. The Panthers. So round two will be played again because the Bulldogs have a buy in round three. Mm-hmm. So that's been scheduled well, in. So Pencil how, does that, how does that affect the Panthers season? Well, I didn't care because they won on the weekend. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Big that's shout out. Big shout out to the Batley, the Batley Bulldogs for defeating the Halifax Panthers on the weekend. The only Bulldogs team to get a victory over the Panthers last week. Well, <laughs> well hopefully Jersey Flag this week. Uh, funny enough, the Panthers have a buy in round three as well. So hence okay, how go. easy it was to schedule that game back in. So they Won't both had the week on last week. Must have known the rain was coming. I don't know who did, who did the draw, but it worked well, out all I right. I think they've got uh, they got welfare involved in that draw these days, don't they, for the Jersey flag? So they've actually got quite a few rest weeks and yes. bye weeks for our Jersey flag season now. Um, which is exciting because a couple of years ago, they actually had a bye round one. They've got rid of that. They scrapped that, which is good. The reason I find that good is because, you know, you wait so long to play football. The preseason is hard for anyone at any level. You want to get into round one. And then for Jersey flag just to kick off at round two while everyone's playing, you can always do those welfare w- weeks a couple of weeks into the season or so. So, you know, because that's what you wait for all preseason is to get that first tackle or, you know, get that comp- competition. But, yeah, so they do have a lot more buys than your standard cup, which is good. Um, the SG ball game has been postponed against South. Yet to be confirmed when that will be played because uh, 
The Bulldogs are going to take on the Dragons in the SCA ball at 12.30pm for their round eight clash. So they're going to just roll on forward to the next round mm. at the moment. So hopefully uh, those games actually do get played, played given, yes. given the fact that they've lifted the uh, age limits by one year this season because of COVID robbing the players of games last year. It'd be really sad to see um, them being robbed of games this year as well. That yes, goes for that... both junior rep competitions. Yes, yeah. Well, the Bulldogs jersey flag's already been robbed with the Storm game, remember? Or the Thunderbolts. So, yeah, so they've been a little bit of a... Not a great start to the season. Uh, also, the H-Mats uh, was also postponed against South Sydney Rabbitohs. So they will roll on to verse the Dragons, also at Belmore Sports Ground. Uh, the Tasha Gale Cup uh, game against the Steelers was postponed as well. Uh, they will also actually take on the Dragons at Belmore Sports Ground this Saturday at 3.30pm. So there's a bit of a, a footy gala day at Belmore this weekend. Starting from 10:30 a.m. So if you're in the area, support the uh, the boys and girls for Canterbury. Uh, the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership game for the Mounties and Sharks cancelled. Gone. <laughs> not even. A... Oh, I wish they do even... that to the Mounties. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just funny how they postponed the Tasha Gale. They postponed mm. the flag. They postponed all. At least put like for the. The H mats and stuff, they've kept the option of keeping it alive. This whoosh, line, nut, cross, games cancelled, mm. games lost. We can't make this one up, apparently. Not sure why, um, but it's not going to happen I that game. I wonder if it's got something to do with the scheduling of the LRLW. You might be right, actually. Because mm. a lot of the girls play both. Yes, that's you're actually spot on. I reckon you might be. I reckon you're on the money there. Um, so the Mounties for the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership match will actually go to their round three novice, the Tigers, uh, Monday night again. Well, hopefully Monday night. Uh, so the last one got cancelled, 7pm. Uh, then, of course, the uh, Mounties. Now, this was an interesting one. The New South Wales Cup, or the knock-on effect, New South Wales Cup. Uh, to put this simply, only two games played this weekend in the New South Wales Cup. The rest of them postponed. The one what got ahead was the Mounties game versus Panthers, which was just before the Bulldogs and Panthers at Bankwest Stadium. Honestly, woke up that, that day. I was waiting for an alert to say, you're, you know, the ticket event might have changed or something or some sort of thing that New South Cup's been cancelled over social media. It's or postponed or moved from Bankwest. So, you know, get to the game later. Tickets from now, everything moves back in time, like, you know, operations and stuff. No, that game went ahead at Bankwest Stadium. So I want to say uh, a big uh, thumbs up to all the uh, game day staff at Bankwest Stadium, even the ones who not even involved in the in the actual ground maintenance. I want to give everyone a thumbs up. It's that was a nightmare to get there. So first of all, just to even get there and you know do your couple of hours, and then a massive thumbs up to the ground staff as well to be able to put not just those two games on that weekend that a, uh, a Wanderers game on I'm pretty sure the Friday night after the NRL game the Thursday night so just from Thursday night going into the A-League Friday night back into NRL not just the NRL but also having a a curtain raiser game with the New South Wales Cup on 
that is enormous effort. It could have been easily postponed at most venues around the world, I'm going to say. Could have easily pushed that game away from mm. that or whatever. But I'm just going to say a big thumbs up to those guys who worked a big weekend getting that pitch looking really good for considering the conditions that Sydney oh, faced that yeah. weekend. Absolutely. It was a beautiful looking pitch given the traffic and given yeah. the um, the conditions as well. Yeah. Um, it was interesting though, halfway through that uh, knock-on effect cup match, we did receive word that the NRL game was going to go ahead. <laughs> Which was a big relief. Big relief to us uh, already being in the stands. Uh, I don't know what that was going on about. David Riccio on Twitter. Yes. I think he's uh, fallen into the trap of sensational media there, hasn't he? Yes, he did. Nothing, nothing stops the NRL. We're having a laugh talking about games being put forward an hour because of cyclones coming in in North Queensland and uh, playing games in the snow. Uh, even though the, the weather was, you know, not great, uh, it was never going to stop the NRL game. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, <clears throat> back to the knock on effect cup. Um, I'm not going to harp on about it all year or all three years, but. <laughs> Did you care when the Mounties lost that game? Because I didn't. I uh, didn't. I don't care. Like, uh, uh, it's a weird one. I want to see the Canterbury players. Like, I'm looking more individually now, like a Jackson Topine, someone mm-hmm. like him. I'm looking at him trying to play a good game. Matt Dury, uh, who's on. Look, we run the team. We chose the coach. All the players are our players. So. We're just wearing Mounties uniforms. But I'll tell you what, as a Bulls fan that used to watch all the uh, under-20s games when there was the uh, NYC, used Mm. to go to games, you know, five hours before kickoff to watch all the reserve grade games. Uh, Going there on the weekend, seeing Mounties run out against Penrith, um, I just watched the game. I I didn't even pay attention to the score. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Mounties were up 8-0 at one stage. Then Penrith were up 20-8. I was just enjoying. Eight. I was just enjoying the, the quality of the game and uh, get, look at watching Matt Burton, of course, <laughs> play against yeah. us. But um, keeping an eye on him and keeping an eye on a few players. But at the end of the day, uh, and I know it's only reserve grade. Most fans probably don't care if you lose reserve grade anyway. Uh, but we've always had. And I, I think that, that was noticeably missing um, on the weekend. Uh, due to the fact that they were wearing Mouthy's jerseys. Mm, I I definitely agree in the sense it takes away a peg or two of interest, I guess, or passion to wanting them to win. Like Yeah. Well it takes away all passion. I want I'll say this, I want the Mounties to win the grand final. But I'll tell you this, I went to the grand final a couple of years ago, Canterbury versus Newtown. Leichhardt Oval, eight thousand people. Now tell me if Mounties make the grand final this year and it's at Leichhardt. Tell me there's going to be 8,000 people mm. wearing Canterbury gear or like in between Canterbury and Newtown. Obviously, I'm not saying it was all yeah. Bulldogs fans. Will 4,000 Bulldogs fans show up to watch the Yes, yeah. and Drop I don't think so. And mm. Especially the fact I went there, I drove to Leichhardt, you know, not really been there that much before. I've only actually been there for reserve grade games. I drove there and I said, I have to. I have to watch us play this cup grand final. Mm. I wasn't even like I had a choice. It's like my whole thing. Like you're going, you're just straight there, get there early, watch the jersey flag as well, ease into it a little bit, and then the the cup is on. That's yeah. what I did. Went out there and did that. Would I do that this year? No. I 
wouldn't go out of my way. I'd watch it on Foxtel and hope they win for the sake of the Bulldogs players next year. But it's kind of like going for a side, like going for Panthers. So for example, Panthers made the grand final this year. Matt Burton happened to be in that 17. It'd be mm. like going for the Panthers because Matt Burton's there and it'd be mm. nice for him to win a grand final, bring that to Canterbury yeah. and bring that like experience of big game day. But you know it's going to be a good experience anyway. With all yeah. Yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah, so it's taken away a little bit. And the fact that it's on TV... Like before, not TV wasn't good enough. You had to be there. If, it's, if it was in Sydney, you were there. Yeah. Now it's on TV. I'll flick it on about five minutes before it starts. Yeah. And yeah, take away the thing. But yeah, it, yeah. So it was I think the New South Wales Rugby League should limit reserve grade to the, the same teams in the NRL in Sydney and possibly like Melbourne or Canberra or whoever wants to join New Zealand um, as long as there's an NRL team with the exception of Norths and... The blue bags, yeah, the new town, and yeah, perhaps, perhaps Wentworth, yeah. But apart from that, yeah, that, that's just my opinion. You could probably argue there's not much logic to allowing Wentworth or the not Mounties, and you'd probably be right, but that's just the way I like it, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the NRL game next? Well, no, we've still got a couple of things to say. We did lose 28 to 8, that was because one of the games oh. actually did go ahead, didn't get to that it. was the full time <laughs> score, yes. Uh, also, we've got just a couple more things to touch up on. The Mounties were actually versus the Raiders, which is, I don't know if there's any going to be any feeling in that one, seeming that the Raiders had a long partnership with the Mounties. They're going to play at GIO probably, Stadium. Probably not, because there's no Mounties players that stayed with the team yeah. despite switching affiliation. So, yeah, no, there's no feeling in that. Okay, I was trying to build up this game, because this game is going to be uh, live on Fox Sports on 1240 on Saturday. So if you like your New South Cup, Canterbury plays the 5.30 game, so you've got uh, a game, then you've got your NRL game, and then the Bulldogs play the second game on Saturday. So you've got a bit of a fix of Bulldogs slash Mounties on Saturday. Sorry, where afternoon. is that game? Where's the Mounties so game? The Mounties game is at GIO Stadium. Ah, so it's in Canberra. Okay. So it's going to be live on KO and Fox Sports, mm-hmm. obviously, um, that one. Uh, that one, interesting enough, the only reason I want to bring that one up as well is because uh, a few players have been named in our reserve list. And I'm going to, well, one of them, Dean Britt, was named in our reserve list this week, not named to play for the Mounties. Maybe maybe he's going up as 18th man, or maybe there might be a late change before kickoff because Dean Britt... Well, it does make it been... hard. Sorry to interrupt, but it does make it hard when you've got uh, one team playing in Canberra and one team playing in Brisbane on the same day. You yeah, can't no, really, the, you can't really go. Oh, we'll name him in the twenty-one, but also in the reserve grade side. Can't yeah. be both places. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say, Lachlan Lewis who missed last week's game for the Mounties, who looked looked all but like Fox Sports filming him. I think Fox Sports thought he might have been named in that last minute, like you know, the last hour change. Uh, Lachlan Lewis has been named to return back for the Mounties this week as well in that game because he missed last week's game to be 18th man by the looks of it. But Dean Britt has been taken away from the Mounties side. So it looks like Dean Britt's making the trip to Brisbane. The reason I wanted to mention that is because Dean Britt has been in some exceptional running form at prop, prop at prop, sorry, playing in the middle, usually noted second rower, but playing at prop. He ran for over 190 metres against the Panthers something that Canterbury is missing a little bit. So I just thought I'd give Dean Britt a rap for his work in New South's Cup. But we'll move on to the Laurie Daly Cup because guess what? The Northern Tigers, fill out with the Bulldogs, right? They're in the grand final this weekend on Saturday. 
They're up against the Dogs. No, the Northern Tigers oh. are versing the Central Coast Roosters. No, the affiliation oh. with the Bulldogs. So the Northern yep, Tigers yep. have made it. They won their fi- uh, semi-final game against the Rams 16-10 on the weekend. Didn't think that was going to play, to be honest. I thought they might have flooded. I don't think they were going to stop, to be honest. They would have played water polo if they had to to get that game going. But they're playing the grand final this Saturday. Laurie Daly Cup. The Northern Tigers have made it. That's the fi- For those who are... I think they're affiliated with the Bulldogs, so good luck to the lads playing this weekend and enjoy the grand final week, eh? Yeah, well, some, some of those juniors might come through and play in the uh, Bulldogs jerseys uh, in the next few years, so uh, let's yeah. hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk. We have to go to the game, unfortunately. 28 0. We've highlighted the fact that it rained a lot in Sydney, mm. it was miserable. The performance matched the weather. Miserable. Um, I want to actually give a big thumbs up to the crowd of 5,067. You don't usually say, yes, that's a good crowd for NRL, but if you were in Sydney that day, oh, it was so easy to stay home and watch on Foxtel or KO or whatever, however you get your fix, or flick on the radio station and yeah. listen to the game instead. It was hard to get to by public transport. Like I said, even if you were 10 metres away from the gates, or lining up for the gates, you were getting mm. wet. There was no way you're missing that one. That was it is dreadful. it is interesting, isn't it? They built a stadium that perfectly covers all the seats. And obviously, if the wind goes one way, maybe the first few six rows get wet or whatever. But they never thought to put some cover outside the stadium. There's not yeah. one place. There's not one place where you can line up at Bay Quest uh, at the turnstiles and be undercover. You got to actually go through the initial gate to get to some cover. Well done. I, I only had this thought when I was uh, <laughs> waiting 15 minutes for the gates to open and I had my hoodie over my head trying to keep my, my head dry going. Mm. Mm. Where, <laughs> where is this cover? Maybe I should have went and, maybe I should have went and had a beer at the uh, Paralyse Club, but you know you don't want to put money into that club. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't anyway. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to give the big thumbs up to the crowd because that deserves anyone, anyone who went to that game. Doesn't matter if you had full season membership, it would have been so damn easy to stay home and get the game, watch it, whatever. So well done to all five thousand people who turned up. I'm patting myself on the back because the walk back was horrible after a loss. If we won, the walk back's easier. I'm gonna say that. If we walked off with a win, you didn't care about getting wet, but it became well, a little bit more miserable. It became colder, it became wetter. I think the rain was heavier now that we lost if we won with the same hmm. How was, was the girlfriend after that walk? I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not happy. Oh, jeez, jeez. Okay, we'll move on to some talking points. We did speak about Dallin attending Silesia getting sin-binned. We explained that a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, we don't need to touch on it again. Yeah, so we're just... Uh, I want to actually highlight something from the game. Penrith Panthers... This is a thumbs up. This is to the Panthers. Panthers. The pressure they put Kyle Flanagan under. Every time he kicked the ball, he was hit. Not late. Not accusing them of hitting him late by any stretch of the imagination. They made sure he, they knew he was there and they went after him and they made sure he had to put a kick in or you get hit, you know. There was times where he wasn't hit too hard, but even just like that push after the yeah. kick, you know, a light type of thing. Saying we're there. 
enormous pressure. There was actually two occasions where Jake Avalori kicked the ball, but somehow Kyle Flanagan got tackled without the ball. Maybe those ones should have been penalties. But I'm just saying in general, just that get... kick pressure. It's it's great deep defense from uh, Penrith. And yeah, there was times that uh, you were right. They did if you put him on the ground, they just sort of like threw him back 10 meters. But mm. at the same time, um, some people might argue that should be a penalty because it's taking out a kick chaser. Yes, that's not true. the opportunity. But so thought... it is an interesting one. Um, look, I think as far as uh, it's probably a talking point, maybe we need to bring back the, the general rugby league talking point at the end of the episodes. Did that, yes. I think, in the first season. But um, I feel like in the game of rugby league, you need to be able to have the defence put some pressure on kickers. Yeah. So I, I think what they did was was fine and um, really well done. And I felt like we probably didn't take a leaf out of their book. Yeah, I like it. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I like it. Maybe the two times Jake overlay really kicked it and Kyle got tackled for it. Don't like that one because that's legitimately taken out. Doesn't matter. Uh, that's what I was saying. We should have done that to Nathan Cleary. I said all week I'd have been sending people like Raymond Vitale, Mariner, you know, Corey Waddells, Adam Elliott's. And just getting into his face, even if they didn't tackle him or anything, just a little push and just saying, like, you know, you're lucky, you know? Mm-hmm. Just getting into his face. Because I feel like Nathan Cleary has all the time in the world. He never really gets rattled or anything. And I thought maybe if we just threw one, and even if you just said, hey, I'm willing to risk a penalty or two for it, yeah. it was something that I thought could have worked well with Penrith. It just didn't mm-hmm. happen. I think it happened later in the game, and then Dallin knocked off Clary, so it couldn't happen any later. So I was going to say, maybe Dallin needs to defend in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're right. There needs to be more um, kick pressure on the opposition teams from us. Yeah, and for about 11 minutes to go on the clock, first penalty of the season. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the chant, I mean, that was the biggest roar of the day. It was a bit of a Bronx crowd. There was a bit of a Bronx cheer, wasn't there? It's been well, a while since I've been involved in a Bronx chair, but that was uh, good to see. Uh, well, you look at the Bulldog social media for the week. They highlighted three things of the uh, amazing plays. Play number one was Nick Kotrick's line break, which they highlight was that was it the fact that uh, Kyle Flanagan and Adam Elliott made a forced line dropout together, came together and made a tackle, what forced Penrith to go for a line dropout, or was it the fact that the penalty was the best play of the day? And guess what? The penalty last time I looked was winning the poll. So uh, the fans got behind that. So the Bulldogs are even poking a bit of fun at the fact. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. It's a bit concerning as a Bulldogs fan. Um, you can mount whatever argument you want, but there's two different referees. Like, mm. we, <laughs> two different referees. have got one penalty in 160 minutes of football. Like, th- that is a concern uh, beyond uh, any argument about the way referees handle games. <laughs> that, that is a concern going forward. Uh, look, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I actually started falling into the argument that I hate to hear. I started going into, oh, surely we're not, as, we're not that bad. Surely yeah. we're not as a team that is uh, that much worse than the opposition that they get so many penalties and we get none. Because uh, I, I think that argument's a complete cop-out. Um, but when you get one penalty in 100 of 60 minutes of football, you start falling in that trap, don't you? Yes, you do. You definitely do. And it had to be an obvious penalty too. <laughs> we had to get a player taken out from a kick chase to get the penalty. Dallin being knocked over while chasing a ball. Uh, I want to highlight the Corey Allen decision 
for those Bulldogs fans who might only watch the Bulldogs games or the games here or there between the round, it might have been the first time they saw the fact that this new interpretation of the rule, the referee thought it was a try live, so if they go to the bunker, they automatically go for no try. Uh, the referee liked what he saw on the field, thought it was all play on and all sweet. Uh, Corey Allen ended up sliding over to score his first, well, what he thought was his first try for Canterbury. Uh, the celebrations were there. I I like the fact in a situation where they blow the whistle, the Bulldogs players were up as one. They celebrated. It wasn't going to be a big turning point. Imagine being 10-4 or 10-6 at halftime or something like that. Uh, the crowd went up as one. The crowd was happy. And then you saw Kyle Flanagan lining up the goal conversion and told to hold on for a second. The bunker might think there might be an issue in this. So they've gone back up. They've checked there's an issue. I think the end call was right. The fact that Dallin did knock on the ball. I think at the end of the day, the call was right. However, the argument has now gone on social media from non-Bulldogs fans saying that they felt deflated after they saw a try awarded live and taken so long to be given a no try. Maybe they should have went back to what they had last year for those trial games where they only have a certain amount of, if it's 30 seconds or a minute, to clear it and go. Because if you watch that quickly, could you tell me that was a knock-on? Because apparently the bunker couldn't. They could say, hey, there was an issue, we potential issue, we need to look at this a little bit harder. I actually think what they're doing is slightly different to that. I think what they're doing is they're reviewing, they're looking at every try after it's awarded. Yeah, well, that's correct, yep. Uh, I think in the cases where it's a low try, like we saw with Corey, Corey yeah. Allen, yeah. Um, I was thinking of a name of a guy at work, uh, Corey <laughs> Allen, um, I think in that situation, the bunkers actually already reviewed it and already made a decision and then has told the referee to stop the conversion. And I feel like the replay that's then shown after that at the ground and on TV is for the benefit of the viewers. I think mm-hmm. they've already said this is no try. It's a knock-on. Now it's locked it into uh, the opposition player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Peter Goff, stop, stop, the, stop the conversion. We need a review. And then they go through it and explain the decision to everybody so everyone's on the same page. I think that's how it's working. Okay. Um, I get... Whether it's, you know, I like the fact that they've, they're doing it this way um, because I like the fact that the reviews have gone from 4.8 a match to 1.8 a match. So we are spending less time. And when I say reviews, I mean when the game has been stopped to look at mm-hmm. a, a try or no try. Um so I like that part. I like the fact that we are now getting more of those instant celebrations. Mm-hmm. Someone scores, the referee, 99 or 90% sure he's got that inside the line, just blows it. And if it's not, uh, not out, uh, still spending two and a half minutes at the bunker, they just go, yeah, all good, we play on. And that, make, that brings back the instant reaction from the crowd, which I think has really added uh, to the atmosphere in the games this year. Uh the only thing I would change, and you sort of touched on it, is that I would give the bunker up until when the goal kick is taken uh, to make a decision. So they're only getting um, the howlers, and I would give them the power to stop the goal kick. Mm. Okay, I like uh, that. Actually, sorry, I'm going to argue against that because we'll have teams rushing the goal rushing. kick. Uh, I, I'd give them some, uh, like a 30-second limit. Yeah, because you got thirty seconds from the time the the whistle's blown to say it's obviously not a try, no try. 
Again, uh, apart, just... apart from that, if it turns out to be the wrong call because of a technicality, well, you know, before the year, um, well, the video referee was brought in the Super League in 97. So from 1908 to 1996, that was accepted. Yeah, because like, I was going to be accepted now. Yeah. I was going to say, to add to that, you said that they've, they've called a no try. I want to add the argument with the Broncos and Titans. Broncos scored in the corner against the Titans. For those who saw that game, they scored right in the corner. Uh, they reviewed it. Matt Checken then did the video referee sign. So I thought, oh, oh no, we've got no try here for the video referee to come back with a try again. Uh, so they've, so that means they've changed their mind twice looking at that. So, yeah, so that means that the referee thought it was a no try. No, the referee will try on the spot. Then the referee stopped and went oh, to the video oh, referee because the bunker, yeah, so the bunker said, uh, hey, hey, there might, yeah, be, okay. might be something in this one. So Checken's yep. gone, yeah, let's yep. check it. Uh, and then they went reviewed it, and then they went like, "No, wait a second, his foot's still in," which was originally the live call. Yeah. So that stopped it from nothing. So I think in that case, that they do that case, they didn't have enough time to review it. That's why they had to stop the goal kick. I think. Okay. So okay, I fair think enough. that I think they've looked at it a few times and gone, "Oh, check, we might have a problem. Stop the goal kick." Okay. And then they've looked at it and gone, "I oh, like you're right," cool. uh, and then and try. Um, I think with our one, and I think with most of them, I think that they're seeing the issue first and making up their mind and then um, doing it for okay. the benefit of the crowd. Because, and I'll give you this as a bit of evidence, how quick was the decision made once the replay went on the screen? It was pretty quick, but it so, did still take them about three minutes to get there because uh, of all the celebrations on the ground. No, no, once, once it went on the big screen, so once the video started playing on the big screen... Yeah, it was after one look or two looks. Yeah, so in that situation, I think they've already seen it. Uh, in in the, the Broncos situation you're talking about, uh, I think they've gone, oh, bugger, this is close, and we can't say one way or the other, stop the game. Okay, fair especially, enough. Especially with sideline ones, I think that's the one you're going to get more of those. Yeah. When okay, it's then. like half a blade of grass, I think you will end up with more, oh, whoa, 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 you said try, but let's have a look. Oh, yeah. you're right. Um, but yeah, there was the other one in uh, I think it was the Broncos game where they check and said no try. Is that the one where the ball got stripped out? Is that the Broncos game? Yes, yes, he went. Yeah, the, the ball got stripped no out, out and then they grounded it. He said no yeah, try. Pulled, I think they went to the video referee yeah. as a review. Every time the referee goes to the video referee, as you said, it's no try. Uh, well, they think it's a no try. Uh, otherwise, they would have won it. And in that case, um, it was proven it was a try. Yeah. Good. Okay, just a question off that system, but using Dallin as a example, or Dallin's knock on as the example with Corey Allen's try or no try. Live, that looked good. Watching that live, looked pretty good. It looked like it was a bit of a ping pong. We thing. weren't in the best, we weren't in the best seeds, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, no, but look good live. Yeah. I watched the yep. first replay on Fox Sports when they replayed it and they replayed it pretty quickly yeah. and they put it in live motion. It looked good on the first replay. First replay, it was played in normal motion and just went bing, bing, yeah. bing, and it just looked like, oh, did it hit? So watching that live, watching that at the real speed on the big screen, don't know if I have a blue and white eye on this one. I'm happy for that to go out as a try, that, watching it that quickly. When it was slowed down, you can then see the error between Dallin and knock on to Brian Tottle's head, which I think it was, and bounced off his head and went, that's where the ball went backwards. Watching it in slow motion, we could see. So my question to you is, would take the Bulldogs out of it, something similar like that happens with another team, are you happy for that to be rewarded a try watching? Because watching at normal speed, it looked okay. 
It looked fun because everyone got up and celebrated again when they watched it at normal speed, saying, "Yes, we got, we've actually got it." Then when we slowed it down, we're like, "Oh god, this actually doesn't look good on a slow motion replay." It's look, it's a really hard one because I'll give you the answer like this: Yeah, I'd be happy for it to be a try, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be happy if a grand final was decided that way. Okay, no, that's what I wanted if, to. And I know that's hypocritical, but I think a lot of people would be in the same boat. Yeah. Okay. So no, it's fair. I wanted to just. Ask a football fan to another one. Yeah. How they felt with that one. Um, moving to my last talking point before we start awarding the points for the game against the Panthers is two weeks in a row, Canterbury uh, lose the battle in the middle uh, with very little to no go forward. Yes, they're big out of Luke Thompson. Returns should be returning in round five. Uh, still a couple of weeks away. Is Luke Thompson going to come into the the side and instantly change this? I mean, Luke Thompson looks like he's going to be a starter for the club. Uh, He looks like he's going to be the leader of the pack, but is he the man who's going to be able to change this? Because at the moment, I'm seeing some really good props at Canterbury, but I'm seeing impact bench props and not... Yeah, well, look, he's going to make a difference. Uh, He's going to need some some people to go with him. Yes, but will someone go with him? Because... If you read some through some of the stats, Dylan Lapa only making 31 metres. That's, for a Queensland Origin player, that's a couple weeks, that's two weeks in a row. That's appalling. That's not up to standard of NRL standard, let alone someone who's played Origin, someone who's won a grand final. Uh, you're looking, no one cracked 100 metres in the forward pack. We, we had to use our outside backs to get that. Josh Jackson made a, a beautiful 64 tackles without missing one. You know, that's that's going to happen. We're going to have some forwards who are not going to be able to make 100 metres and depending on how they contribute in defensive efforts and stuff like that. And yes, we didn't get a lot of the ball, but we need players, if we're going to win games, especially when it's wet like that, we need our forwards and a few of them to go over 100 and make them regularly and make them consistently. We're not seeing it at the moment. It's two rounds in. It's not the end of the, it's not the, end of the world yet for the forward pack at the moment. But I'm seeing, I see Jack Harrington as a, Beautiful bench prop at the moment, at this stage of his career. He's very new into top grade. So I feel like he's being played out of position. I look at Ogden. I think he's a bench prop, as well as Rena Fatoni is a bench prop. And we just don't really have that starting prop in there yet, apart from Luke Thompson. Hopefully, Ava Cinematifungi can actually, um, I don't know what's going on with him, but hopefully he can prove his fitness and get a crack too, because. Um... Oh, pretty yeah. big body, and hopefully he can help with that forward progression. And if he can start, and if he only plays 25 minutes a game, and it's the first 25, I'm happy with that. Uh, if he's starting with Thompson and say players like um, Harrington and Ogden, uh, Atonic yeah, coming come off, in the, off bench. the bench, even yeah. if they play longer minutes, the bigger body to start the game, and then you have uh, Thompson gets rotated throughout the game. Yeah, um, well, if yeah, if if Ava could get his fitness up, and I'm not saying it's not, I'm just saying I'm not sure why he's. Been brought a lot in the team. He wasn't he playing the matches. He played yeah, he's, he's, the he's weekend. Only, uh, he's on the extended bench this week. Yeah, he's on the extended bench again. So yeah, he's definitely yeah. top thirty. Uh, so yeah, he played for Mounties the weekend. Yep. Yeah. So, but I just think no go forward. I was I actually had a couple of solutions to this, but one of them got stripped off me. My first solution was maybe getting Raymond Patel and Marin in the middle because he, you know, he makes meters. He's I thought maybe he could maybe help in the middle, turning him to more of a prop or one of those locks to help out, uh, you know, getting some go forward through that middle third of the field. 
fortunately that idea won't or it doesn't mean anything anymore for a while. Um, my next thing is I think we need to recruit someone like Martin Tapao. Manly got salary cap issues. Martin Tapao wouldn't like you know he'd be yeah. a fair chunk on their salary cap. He makes meters like he makes over usually a hundred meters at half time. He plays big minutes. They're not gonna let him go though. Not after losing Luma Blake. They got they can't, they can't sign eighty eight percent of the contract on three players. I'm joking. It's not that much, but yeah, yeah. I know yeah, what you're big... saying, but they're, they're not gonna get. They're not gonna let Tapao go. Not now. Mm. I just it, we just need someone, someone who can do those uh, those minutes. And I think the reason why the quality hasn't been thing. I think Jack Harrington would make more meters off less minutes. I think, you know, stretching himself. And I actually really think, and I want to say this, I really think Aiden Tolman not being at the club, you know, getting those minutes, actually constantly making over 100 metres. No one noticed that he always constantly around that 140 to 160 mark every week, some weeks even to the 200s. And then playing 60 minutes, 65 minutes for the club is really like, you know, you could have had someone, you know, out there constantly, you know, workhorse-like, was able to rotate the fresher, younger boys, making a real bull type of thing. I really think that's actually a bigger loss than we want to let on is that Aiden Tolman moving on, you know, he could have really done a good 60 minute job every week and had more of the younger props like Heverington, Ogden really rotate themselves in the game and have a really fresh young forward who wants to rip and tear. That's just an idea or that's just a thought. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got against the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, look, Tom, I, I sort of, I, I know where you're coming from. I sort of get the the idea of moving him on as well. Um, I feel like Barrett's coming in, and apart from one or two experienced players, if you look through um, our squad, there's not too many players that have been around for a long time. So I think he's getting rid of the standards, and it might be harsh to say, but I think he's getting rid of the standards that didn't work. Yeah. And bringing in uh, new players with, hopefully, a higher standard. And there's no no sledge on Tom, and that's just uh, sort of what happens with teams that go bad for an extended period of time. Sometimes you just need to get the players that have been there for a while out, and as heartless as it says, we bring in some new blood and start fresh with the new blood and say, these are our standards now. Mm-hmm. Don't worry well, about us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair point. I it happens, saying... in, happens in business as well and, and that sort of thing anyway. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Yeah, okay. So we're going to do the points for this week. Don't know about you. Toughest week, uh, one of the toughest yeah. weeks. I mean, we've lost games in the back end of last year or some games we've lost, but we were able to highlight two or three players and say, hey, three players deserve a rap or anything like that. This one was difficult to give points away. Uh, it's almost like you just want to give a two point or a one point and then just leave it at that for the week. But unfo- I mean, I think this week, unfortunately, we have to give it to just the, we have to find two players. So how do you want to do it this week? Do you want to kick us off with your one point? Yep, so uh, I gave one point to Josh Jackson on the back of that defensive effort. I think it's hard to argue that um, he shouldn't be there uh, off the back of that. Um, 64 tackles, incredible. Not one missed, as you said, from 80 minutes. Uh, And then I gave uh, two points to Nick Kotrick, the only player to uh, notch up a line break. (laughs) I've given a point to Nick Kotrick as well. Uh, Bonus point. Yes, bonus point. We need a little bell, like the six again bell for the bonus points. I like that. (laughs) I'll give Nick Kotrick a one point uh, for one looking, always constantly looking like he's threatening the line. Uh, Look look good out there, that line break. 
as well as you mentioned. I'm giving two points to Dallin Wantelli, he's a Lesniak. Yep. And why I'm giving it to him. He made 145 metres or 15 runs, 62 post-contact metres, three tackle breaks. Uh, it got a bit what, personal. Wild, wild KO. Yeah, yes, one KO. Um, not because of that. It got personal out there. Uh, Jerome Lulwai was having some words said to Dallin uh, in the thing, and then Dallin got the ball and deliberately ran at Jerome Lulwai and left him at the back. Yeah, actually, I think that was a game plan. From where I was sitting, um, when we were in attack, it looked like we were trying to get lots of players one-on-one with Jerome Luai. Mm. We left Cleary alone. We attacked Luai. So I don't yeah. know if, if that was because of what happened. Uh, I think uh, that might have been planned. Get okay. down one-on-one it's... with Luai. Anyway. a bit personal out there, them two going toe-to-toe. Oh. There was a few words said, and then yeah. for the moment there was a few words said at each other. They didn't look happy at each other. Dallin screams for the ball catches it, and then beelines it straight for him and then leaves him on the deck as he falls a couple of metres yeah. forward for a tackle. I know, it felt good, so well, I'm D- giving Dallin him two had, points. had an issue with Fisher-Harris as well, and Luai oh, had an yeah, issue Dal- with Flanagan. It was good to see Flanagan go, Luai. I, I thought that was great. Uh, he's not the player that has that reputation, so um, mm. maybe a little barb about the Roosters letting him go or something, and uh, got him to turn around and... Went at him, so it's good to see that sort of passion for the game. Uh, so Scotty, that gives our leaderboard currently tied in first place is Nick Kotrick and Shane Flanagan, both on oh, five Kyle. points. Kyle Flanagan, I did it again. <laughs> uh, Kyle Flanagan, uh, both on five points and both uh, with bonus points. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, Shane would be pretty happy if he's leading the ball, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing well in the commentary box, Shane, doing well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not much more to say on, on that game, I don't think, Scotty. So, um, Each to their own with the commentary com- comment there. Oh, well, look, I'm not very, <laughs> I'm not a fan of it. I'm just, I was just being nice. No, no, fair enough. Sorry, Shane, uh, I know you listen. <laughs> this Saturday night, uh, Bulldogs, the Broncos, 5.30 p.m., Suncorp Stadium is the venue. Uh, can catch all the action on Fox Sports and KO for this one. We go head to head against Brisbane. Brisbane last win, funny enough, was at Suncorp Stadium against the Bulldogs last year. We're rolling into it with a similar thing. Both 0 and 2 for this year. But I think the Broncos have read somewhere have gone 13 games straight for losing. And the last win was against the Bulldogs in the middle of the year last year. Um, some have already touted this, the Battle of the Spoon. I think that's a very early call. To highlight it in round three, I mean, what can change? Because you know we did lose to Penrith and Newcastle. That could have been two prediction: neither of these two teams will win the World Spoon. There you go. So it's not about the spoon, according to Matthew. Uh, Saturday night, Suncorp Stadium almost comes as a must-win for both these teams. They both will be walking into this game thinking they can walk away with the two points. Uh, they both need to think that this is a really Good win, a uh, good opportunity for a win. Trent yeah. Barrett's already highlighted that this is a must-win game. We need to win this yeah. one. We need it desperately, but the Broncos need it as desperately as we do. Yeah. So I think that has to be the mentality, even though it's the battle for second last. Um, see what I did there? Battle, yeah. for, <laughs> battle for second last. Um, both teams desperately need to win. They need to get the season going. For the Bulldogs, uh, pretty much the same team as last week. Obviously, Dallin's out and uh, Tawika Toa replaces him. Raymond Fatala Mariner's out for uh, Corey Waddell comes off the bench and Joe Stimson onto the interchange bench. 
leaves the reserves list of Brit Smith, Lewis, and Cinnamon Fungi. That's interesting. Lewis is actually name for Mounties and on the reserve list. I'll tell you what, though. We don't focus too much on the opposition team, but and they're having their issues, the Bronx, but they're four-pack. Far out, mate. Tavita Pengar Jr., Jake Turner, oh, yeah. uh, Thomas Fledger, Alex Glenn, Jordan Ricky, and Patrick Carrigan. Um, I tipped the Bulldogs to win, but <laughs> after looking at the pack, <laughs> uh, and talking about our pack's uh, shortcomings, geez, Louise, um, yeah, I don't change the tip, but I'm worried. Yeah, well, I want to, I want to say this. I think on previous form, I think Broncos deserve to be favourites. I think they've shown more in the game so far. I mean, they did cop a uh, beating against Titans, but I felt like the first patch of the game when I was watching that one, uh, the Broncos showed a bit more. Um, I feel like, you know, the forwards are allowing them their half like I think Brody Croft has actually been in actually decent form but there's rumors that he might actually cop the axe before the game even starts for Tom Dearden but I feel like uh Croft is in some decent form uh the backs I don't know even their backs I don't know look a little bit dangerous like when you got Xavier Coates on one wing he's a speed freak uh, he can cause Sorry, some damage if, if you're a Broncos fan Stop changing the halfback. Change the 5'8". Yes. No, that's what I'm saying. I think Croft's in okay form. I think he's doing all right. I think he's going to get better every week if he, they stick with him. And, Whether um, Croft is there or not, change the 5'8". Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I look, like you said, you look at their forward pack. Then you look even look at the interchange bench having John Asiata. I actually think he's a pretty talented prop. Like, you know, he's the guy who played bloody 5'8". And he's a prop. And he actually did it all right as well. I look at that, and I, you look at the forwards, they win the forward battle. And I feel like this was a week where I was actually looking at it last week before Dallin knocked out Cleary. I started to drift and think, well, we need some people like Dallin, you know, who make good meters on return. We need, like, our set starts to be really, really good. And we probably lost our best, uh, two of our best two, because we still got Nick Kotrick there, who drops back on the kicks. But... I think we're going to struggle getting out of our own yardage in this one. I hope the Fords are revved up because there's actually a bit of media attention around them not performing. So this could be the game where they becomes a personal battle, becomes very personal for them, um, and show what they're made of. But I feel like the Broncos deserve to be favourites in this one. Agreed. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so that means we've got one more segment of the show left. That's Old Dog. You know, yep. I like to link my uh, old dog with what we're doing this week as the club. I've picked a person who's played 185 games for Canterbury. Between ni- the 90s, he played from 1990 to 94, then also returned back in 99 to 2002. But he also played 105 games for the Brisbane Broncos, and he played there from 95 to 98, then returning back in 2004 to 2005, including a stint in St. Helens, in this list. A uh, bit amazing how he went to both clubs twice and had stints at both clubs. I'm, of course, talking about Darren Smith as old dog this week. Uh, look at his career. 22 games for Queensland. An extra two games for Queensland in the Super League era. Yeah. Too, after, after watching that, I watched the uh, Super League tri-series. They count. Yeah. 
in yeah, my opinion. Okay. That's that's twenty five games for Queensland. Twenty four. Playing union one. 20, 25. 22 for Queensland, three for the Queensland Super no, League is twenty five. Two two for Queensland Super League. Or have you got three and a different number? I've got I've got three on rugby league project right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. My yeah. We'll go with we'll run with three because rugby league project's never wrong, so I do apologize. So twenty five <laughs> yeah. games. We'll say twenty five games. Seven games for Australia, five for the uh Australian Super League sides, so that's same, thirteen same. games. Same yeah, thing. 13 games uh, for you representing uh, his country. Uh, sorry, it's funny uh, that is uh, 12 games. Oh, 7 and 5 is 12. Okay, that's my, that's my math this time. That's not the actual <laughs> poor research. That was actually math on top. That's 12. It is 12. Oh, uh, we are doing Darren Smith's career disservice here. <laughs> I gave him an extra game. Oh, anyway, so he yeah. played actually the 97 grand final for the Broncos. He actually played yep. the 98 grand final beating Canterbury. Then returning back to Canterbury in '99, uh, he for those uh, for those who might be a bit younger, he kind of had like that PJ Marsh thing where he went Bing 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 back to team. So he was started at Canterbury, went to Brisbane, back to Canterbury, St Helens, Brisbane for his career. So many games for Australia, I don't think he's talked about enough. So twelve games for representing his country together, twenty five representing his state of Queensland together. Uh, he played a total of 321 top-flight matches, including his stint in Super League for St. Helens in 2003. 134 tries altogether. 53 of them coming for the Bulldogs, 62 with Broncos. Why isn't he not spoken about more often? That's what. That's yeah. why I went for him as Old Dog. What a legend. What a Good play. Uh, Centre, second row, 5'8". Uh, his brother, pretty much the same, Jason. Um yeah, I remember idolizing idolizing him growing up. Yeah, Great and player. that's what I was also going to say is his versatility, which he covered. He yeah. can play play those positions, but play them well. Not play. You can. Uh, he played. Uh, Jason Smith was in the, around there as well, and then you had the Hughes boys,es and uh, it was like the second coming of the family club, wasn't it? Yeah, but I'm just just thinking like for, for yeah. Darren Smith, had, you know, you can throw a person and kind of throw him in there, and you can. If I use Randy Matua as an example, a second rower who could play centre, who could fill in for a game or finish off a game at centre if an injury was to drop, right? He's a great final winning centre. Who? Broncos 98, Darren Smith. Oh, no, no. I thought you meant Randy Matua for a second. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, if I use Randy Matua as an example, yeah. great second rower, great lock, could fill out in centre if you yeah. needed it for a game or two or finishing off a game due to injuries, right? But Darren Smith... Nailed center, nailed the back row, nailed every position he played in. That's what I was trying to highlight was that we got players who can fill in for that one or two games here or there if you need to. But I'm talking about someone who's a grand final winning center and nailing all those positions and quite a try score, 134 tries altogether in his 321 games. You know what I think hurts the players that played in the late 90s and early 90s, apart from a few select? The fact that... Um, I don't think enough time has passed in some aspects to look back on that on that, that era? time period and be like, wow, that guy was a great player. You probably need to get more des- like deserving credit. Uh, like we look back at the 80s now, we're pulling up players that um, maybe weren't talked about 20 years ago, but are now being talked about again mm. um, as good players. Um, and the other thing is it was too 
just missed out on the social media age. Yeah. Like, like think about um, even from a bit later on, players like Brent Sherwin and Corey Hughes try to find some highlights of them on the internet. There's, there's very little because of the fact that they played most of their career before it really took off. So I feel that that era is sort of stuck in a moment of time where, yeah, it's too too early for uh, social media to really take off. So the people who are coming to the game now, or the young people, um, can't go back and see it. And it's not old enough to to go Fabulous. back and pull up, pull up uh, players that don't get credit. Obviously, you still got like players like Lockyer and Johns and, and all that that get the mm. well, you know get the raps. But the players that like just below that level, but still great. Yeah, they miss out a bit. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I just wanted to really highlight a legend. But Darren Swift watching the game this weekend, Broncos Premiership winner, played in some of Canterbury's. Good era, the nineties, yeah, and the early two thousands were really good. He left after O two, so could have, with a bit of the salary cap scandal as well. Uh, he played one hundred and eighty five games for Bulldogs and one hundred and five for Brisbane. Who's he's backing? Who is he going for Saturday night at five thirty? We're gonna say he's gonna go for Brisbane because he's won those grand finals and because of the fact that he's a Queenslander. And another weird one as well. <laughs> Yeah, I get where you're going, Brisbane. Winning a grand final for Brisbane, then yeah. returning back to your old club who actually played the grand final who'd lost, right? Yeah. What a weird change in atmosphere going from, you know, celebrating, obviously, entitled to celebrate the grand final, you yeah. know, your contract until November, then heading into preseason and then being a lot spoken about using the grand final as motivation. You probably wouldn't, yeah, you probably wouldn't talk too much if you're in issues, would you? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Much. Yeah. Anyway, he just, he just uh, only a couple of months ago, he'd be like, I just won a grand final against you. I don't know. I thought, yeah. it, was, I thought it was a weird situation. Well, he definitely had bagging rights. I guess it depends on his personality. Anyway, I think we're starting to waffle. Let's get our let's wrap it up, Scotty. Yeah. So we always wrap it up with our social media. Anything you want to hear in the show, anything you want mentioned, or want to have a chat, or reach out to us for any reason at all, uh, get us on Twitter at Bulldogs Fans NRL. Instagram, NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Find us on Facebook, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. So you got to search, follow, and like on that one. Flick us an email, which we actually did receive an email this week, getting wrapped up at how good our show is. So uh, thank you, Kelly, who was actually on the show late last year, which is a top five listener. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, top five, you must have loved that one. Email us at nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. That's how you get in touch guys have a lovely week and hopefully next week we're talking about canterbury winning the first game of 2021 go the dogs